This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Forever, amen. I'm so glad to be here today, especially with our dear friend, uh, Pastor David, and this wonderful church, this great work of God that he's doing. And how many of you are glad you're here today? Can I see your hand? Praise the Lord, and we certainly appreciate his lovely wife, Yen. She's a, just a sweet person, sweet soul, and a, I know she's a great blessing to this church. Amen. And it's great to be here. I want to thank you also because this church financially supports our ministry, which is great appreciated. We depend entirely upon the, uh, the giving of God's people. And, uh, and so we're, we're thankful. We're grateful today. Uh, I want to go straight to the word of God in the time that I have today. And I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bible to the book of first Timothy chapter six and verse 12, first Timothy chapter six and verse 12. Now, I know that you all can see me and I'm just going to believe that you're out there because that light is shining real bright up here. So I'm going to just preach by faith and not by sight today. And uh, you turn with me to first Timothy six 12. I'm going to read from the English standard version, but you follow me in your Bible as well. And as you're turning, I'm going to pray father. Thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for the marvelous pastor and his lovely wife. Thank you for the faithful members and people who are here today. We just pray that you would bless us. We pray that you would open the hearts of the people to receive the word. We pray, Father God, that you would make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer. We trust you today for liberty and unction today in the spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Can you turn my volume up a little bit? I don't know if that would be a problem, but so I can also hear me. Thank you. First Timothy chapter six and verse 12. It says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I want to talk about fighting the good fight of the faith. In the Greek language, this verse literally says the faith, the faith. The same expression is used in verse 10, where Paul talks about some people who have wandered away from the faith. So when he says the faith, he's not just talking about the personal trust you have in the Lord to have your needs met or an answer to prayer. He really means everything that we believe as disciples of Christ. He means Christianity. So that means there is a fight that comes with being a Christian. You see, faith in the gospel gives you peace with God, but it also makes you an enemy of this world and the God of this world, Satan. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 14. He said, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He didn't say because they have the word of God, the world loves them. No, he said they hated them. The world hates them. Some people think that if you love Jesus, you'll never have any trouble at all. You know, if you love the Lord, you're not going to really have any problems. 
Well, if that's true, then the Apostle Paul didn't really love the Lord because he had nothing but trouble his entire Christian life. In fact, Jesus did not agree with that statement. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, in the world, you will have tribulation. Now, he said, we're not of the world, but we are in this world. In this world, you will have what? Picnic, birthday party, no tribulation. But that's not all. He also added this, but take heart or be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can I get an amen? And of course, what he means is I have defeated it. I have overcome it and I did it for you. Now, the word tribulation in the Greek language is the word flippis, flip, flipsis, close enough. And it literally means pressure, pressure. Jesus used the same Greek word in what we call the parable of the sower. He said there are some people who joyfully receive the word. Hmm? In other words, they shout amen, uh, they jump up and do a little jig, they, they, they run around the building. But he says in Mark 4, 17, but when tribulation Flipsis. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. See, again, some people think, well, if you really know the word of God, you'll not have any trouble in life. But Jesus in this parable said tribulation comes on account of the word because you have the word. Amen. Why? Why is the devil bringing pressure against you if you have the word? Real simple. He's trying to squeeze it out of you. Now, imagine a football player. We're getting close to football season. Imagine a football player in the Super Bowl. If he doesn't have the ball... He can run around the field. Uh, he can even run into the end zone and do a celebratory kind of dance and, and all kinds of shenanigans, but nobody cares. Nobody pays any attention to him. He's just a nut. But imagine suddenly the ball is in his hand. Immediately, there are going to be 11 really big, really ugly guys coming in his direction and they want to do him some bodily harm. Why? Because when you have the ball, you can score. When you have the ball in your hands, you can do some damage, right? Well, in the same way, when you have the word of God in your heart, you suddenly become a dangerous person to the kingdom of darkness. Huh? And he's going to try to squeeze that word. He wants you to fumble. He wants you to turn loose of the word. Now, if you let go of the word, basically the devil and demons aren't going to bother you so much. You just kind of go to church on Sunday and just kind of live like everybody else and don't get really involved. Don't really take the word into your heart and certainly don't practice it. The devil kind of says, well, you know, I'm not going to bother you because you're not really bothering me. Are you listening to me? But when you have the word, suddenly you become a marked man. Tribulation comes because of the word. Hmm. And that intense pressure that you often face in life is because you are what 
in what we call the red zone, you are you are you are getting very close to pushing back and doing real damage to the kingdom of darkness. See, why would the enemy tell you your faith isn't working? You're wasting your time. None of this stuff really matters. Why would the devil bring thoughts like that to your mind? What is he, your best friend now? He's trying to give you advice. Why would he tell you that? Well, if it wasn't working, he wouldn't encourage you to quit. See, your faith is putting pressure on him. So he's trying to put pressure on you. Are listening to me? So the very fact that the devil tells you your faith isn't working is proof positive that it is working. Can I get a witness this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. So again, fight the good fight of the faith. That not only means being faithful to the Lord in the hard times, but it also describes the struggle that we experience when we take God at his word and stand upon his promise, there is a fight to living by faith. Problem with many Christians, they don't have any fight in them. Uh, some people are always talking about what they wish. I wish the Lord would help me. I wish the Lord would heal me. I wish the Lord would just give me more money. They have a lot of wishbone, but not much backbone. Amen. You got to have some fight in you. Now, uh, I live in Northeast India in Nagaland. And uh, many years ago, I was going to take a walk and, and I had a little dog named Blackie. He's just a cute little fellow. Uh, uh, I don't know what kind of dog he is. And, uh, but he's just, just a cheerful little dog. And, and, and uh, so I'm walking through our neighborhood just, just to you know, get a little exercise or something. Obviously, I need it. And um, I'm walking through our neighborhood and Blackie's trailing behind, just prancing, you know, in my shadow. And I said to him, now, Blackie, you know, go away. Go back. Go back go back home but he just persisted in just following me and I said go back go back home come on go on go on go on but he's just prancing behind me following me and uh, we we walked you know together for a little while and we came to an intersection and suddenly there was this large German shepherd with an attitude and I looked real quickly. There's like, you know, no leash. There's no collar. There's no owner. And this is Nagaland. We don't have no magic fence or something like that either. He's just there. And he looked at us and he began to growl. You know, and I just stopped dead in my tracks. And then he started, he kind of came a little closer and he kind of started, you know, showed his teeth and began to bark. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Let's just be cool now. Let's be cool. And Blackie began to bark at him. And I said, Blackie, be quiet. You're going to die. <laughs> and that dog went. And I thought, oh, Lord, have mercy. And Blackie charged after that German shepherd. Something like that. And, and, that, and that big old ugly dog, he stuck his tail between his legs and he, he, and he whimped away and, and, and walked off. And then I said, come on, Blackie, let's go home. <laughs> and, I th and I thought about it. Yeah, I was proud of him now. See, I thought about it. You know, you, you, you know, some, you may be a, you may be of small stature or you may not be the biggest fellow in town, but it, you can be a spiritual giant if you will fight the good fight of faith. 
Hallelujah. And the devil's like that big old dog wants to intimidate you. Just, just face him eyeball to eyeball. Square off with him with the shield of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me read another scripture to you. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11 and 12. Hebrews six eleven and 12 says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises now here it says that we should have earnestness and that word also means diligence diligence the opposite of diligence is in verse 12 where it says that you be not sluggish or lazy or slow so why do we need to be diligent it says to have the full assurance of hope well, what is the assurance of things hoped for? Hebrews 11.1 1 tells me it's faith, faith. So that means if you want to have faith, it does require some diligence on your part. Some people are just too lazy to have any faith. You, you do have to come to church. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down. You, you, you do have to get up in the morning and, and get dressed and, and get yourself down here. Amen. You, you, it takes a little bit of effort to read your Bible. Amen. When you don't feel like it, when there's a lot going on in your life. Amen. It, 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 does, it does require a little bit of diligence to have a prayer life, not just a, a prayer uh, hour or, but, or a prayer meeting, but a prayer life. Amen. Hallelujah. So, he said, he said, to have the full assurance of hope, my Bible says, to the end. What end? Till what we hope for becomes a reality. So what he's saying is, in other words, it takes faith and patience to inherit the promises to receive what God has promised you in his word. So that tells me right there that not everything from God happens instantly. Amen. Amen. In Mark 4.30, in Mark 4.30, Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a mustard seed sown in the ground. So that tells me that the work of God usually begins small and grows larger. And it takes time for seeds to grow. So Jesus did not compare God's kingdom to a microwave or even to a vending machine. Just, you know, pop, pop, here comes the answer. It takes some time. And that's why it requires patience. When I was a young boy, uh, one year I decided to plant a garden in the backyard of our house, and, and I, I dug, dug the plot of land, a, a ground. I, I roped it off with, with, with stakes and twine and planted the seeds. And, I mean, you know, day after day I didn't see nothing. And, I, and in fact, I went every day and looked at my garden and just saw dirt, just dirt. In fact, sometimes I just sat there and looked at the dirt. And it looked back at me. It didn't nothing happen, you know. And, and it, I, I finally just had to uh, just had to just kind of like stop staring at the dirt and just just go about my business. And eventually the ground broke through and out came a little leaf, a stem, etc. And it wasn't long till we had, you know, delicious vegetables. Well, it's the same way with God's word. 
All I did was plant the seed, and there were a few weeds I had to pull up and water it. Just water it. Some folks sit there and say, I know this already. Good. It's being watered in your life. So it takes faith and patience. See, now listen, folks, it would be better for you to have a little bit of faith and a whole lot of patience than to have all the faith in the world and no patience. See, because if you have patience, you can get there. If you'll just stick with it, you can get there. You can receive the answer. But I don't care how much faith you have. If you are impatient, if you don't have any endurance, if you will not persevere, you're not going to get very far. Amen. Hallelujah. I was attending a meeting many years ago. Uh, is before I was married many years ago. And, and we were all worshiping God just like we were a moment ago. And suddenly the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I have taught you the word of my patience. Not the word of faith. He said the word of my patience. And I never heard that before. And I thought, what is that? Actually, I, I found there's a verse in, in Revelation that actually uses that expression, but I, I, don't, I didn't recall reading it before. And I wondered what he meant by that. Well, I've lived in India now for 21 years. I know exactly what he meant by that. Because to live in India requires not just patience, supernatural patience, miracle patience. Because everything works at about three times slower the speed than in America. It takes patience. Hallelujah. It takes patience to live in Virginia Beach, too. I, I, it takes patience, hallelujah, dealing with some Christians we know and love. Doesn't, isn't that true, Pastor David? Don't, he, he doesn't want to say anything. <laughs> it's true. He's nodding his head. Hallelujah. It takes a lot of patience. Amen. Amen. It takes patience uh, when your family members come over for Christmas dinner. It, it takes patience. It takes patience. Hallelujah. Uh, when you're on the job, doesn't it? Requires a lot of patience. Praise the Lord. So many times, maybe our problem isn't not that we need more faith, but we actually need more patience. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Don't dance around the church while I'm preaching. All right, now, notice this scripture. One more passage here. James chapter 1 and verse 2. James chapter 1 and verse 2. We're, we're still talking about fighting the good fight of faith. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And that word trials is flipsis again, flipsis. So when the pressure is on, when the squeeze is on, praise should be coming out of your mouth. Hallelujah. Now, this goes against human nature. I mean, most people say right now is not a good time to praise God. Uh, you know, my, my, my wife ran away with the milkman. My, my kids, you know, failed their, all their classes. I, I just, they're going to repossess my pickup truck. Now's not a good time to praise God. No, no, no. This is exactly the best time to praise God because when we praise God, we're not just re reacting to a happy situation. We know that praise is a weapon. This is how we fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. How can I be joyful? How can I be glad in a time of distress? Well, notice verse 3. Verse 3, for you know. 
See, we rejoice not because we don't have any knowledge, not because we're numbskulls. We rejoice because we do know something. We got some inside information in the Word of God. Amen. What do we know? That the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness. There is no such thing as untested faith. There is no such thing as untested faith. You say you believe the word of God. God heard you. So did the devil. And he's, and, and, and he's going to come against you. The enemy is going to come against you. Hmm? Now, in verse 2 of this passage, James talks about various kinds of trials. So that's all sorts of problems. I mean, that, that's a, a, a whole gamut of hardships and difficulties. And that, that includes almost anything. But in verse 3, he calls all of these things the testing of your faith. You see, every difficulty you face in life is a test of your faith. And that means every hardship is an opportunity for you to believe God. Listen, friends, your faith doesn't grow and develop just by hearing the word preached. That's important. But just like muscles, they have to be exercised, right? You, you, don't, you don't develop in faith just by reading good f- Christian books. That, that's great and that's fine. But you, you, have to, you have to experience life and you have to use the faith you have. Amen. Amen. So many times people say, I want to be a faith giant. And here comes trouble. Here comes problems. And then we, then we begin to have a nervous breakdown and cry and say, God, I don't know why did, why did this happen to me? God, I want to be an overcomer. You can't be an overcomer unless there's something to overcome. <laughs> Some people say, well, when we get to heaven, we'll be overcomers. No, you won't. There's nothing in heaven for you to overcome. There's no demons to cast out in heaven. They're all down here in Virginia Beach. <laughs> Most of them are on the interstate. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Every difficulty is an opportunity for you to exercise faith and an opportunity for God to exercise faithfulness. It's an opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. So you should rejoice. Woo! Here's another opportunity. I mean, hallelujah. There is no testimony without a test. Hallelujah. Here's another opportunity for a miracle. Glory to God. Woo! Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Now, the word test means to prove. The word, in verse 3, the word test means to prove. Now, folks, being happy and praising God when all go, is going well in your life proves nothing. Anybody can do that. Even sinners can do that. Right? But when you rejoice, when you make the choice to rejoice when all hell is breaking loose, huh? when you don't have any money, when, 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 when your wife is not happy with you, when your husband is angry with you, when, when you lose your job, when the refrigerator breaks down, uh, you know, uh, when your kids are having trouble in school, when you, when you lift up your voice and praise God anyways, that proves you have something that other people don't have have hallelujah and that also will strengthen your faith glory to god notice again the testing of your faith produces patience 
or steadfastness. Now, experiencing difficulty does not automatically give you patience. There's a lot of people who have gone through hell, and they still don't have any patience. The word testing, again, in Greek implies passing the test. See, when you come through this thing and you taste victory, when you decide that I will not quit, I will persevere, not only do you get the answer, not only do you have your needs met, but you're also a better person. You're stronger than you were before. Friend, God is not just interested in your needs being met. He also wants you to develop in Christian character. The Bible says in Romans 5, 4, in Romans chapter 5, verse 4, an endurance produces character and character produces hope. You know why some people feel so hopeless? They don't have any patience. They don't have any patience. They, they're quitters. They quit. They, they, don't, they don't stay in the hard places. Amen. So God doesn't bring all these things against you, but he may allow them because he doesn't want you to be a superficial believer who just gladly receives the word on Sunday morning. But then a short while later, when trouble comes, throw the Bible in the trash cans. I'm never going to go to church again. I don't even know if there's a God. All that kind of nonsense. Are you listening to me? He wants to deepen you. He wants to deepen you. Hallelujah. Again, in James chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And let steadfastness, or patience, have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, some Christians, when they feel the pressure, the enemy's bringing pressure against them, they're looking for an escape hatch. They just want to get out of here. Oh, no, no, too, too many things going on here. Uh, and so I think I'll just move to Florida. I, just, I need to get out of this church. I go to another church. I just need to get out of this marriage, go to marry, marry the next guy that comes around. Uh, you know, they just, they're just, 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 just running from their problems. And, of course, when you do that, you're, letting the, you're just basically running from the devil. And friend, he'll chase you all over the world. You won't stay in one place more than two weeks. <laughs> At some point, you're just going to have to dig your heels in the ground and say, nope, nope, I, here's where I stand my ground. This is where I fight the good fight of faith. Bring it on. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, let steadfastness, let patience have its full effect. Glory to God. So, Perfected faith, perfected patience will perfect you. It will mature you. It'll make you stronger and you will be lacking in nothing. You have need of patience, the Bible says, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive what has been promised. God is very patient, isn't he? Amen. Think about it. Before Adam sinned, he already had the plan of redemption in mind. And think how long he had to wait until his son came and paid the price. He's very God is very patient. He's also long-suffering. Think, think how patient he has been with you. Right? And if you were God, you would have probably killed everybody in, in the neighborhood by now. <laughs> Just wipe them off the map. God's not like that. That's not his nature. <laughs> the Son of Man came to save men, not to destroy their lives, right? <laughs> Amen. God is very patient. 
one thing you need to know about the Lord is he may show you something. He may speak to your heart to give you a, 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 a glimpse of your future, a, a vision for your destiny. And you think it's going to happen next Tuesday. <laughs> but God lives in the realm of eternity outside of time. Time doesn't mean anything to him. See, and, and, and see many, many times when God gives you a vision like that, so clearly it's because he knows it is going to take a long time and you need that hope as an anchor for your soul to keep you steadfast, to keep you enduring and persevering in the hard times in that, in the video that you saw earlier, you saw our church uh, we started that church in uh, uh, 1994 with seven people. The first Sunday, I think it was seven or eight people, eight people, sorry, that first Sunday. And I, if I'm not mistaken, the next Sunday we had even less. <laughs> but uh, when, I, when I arrived in Nagaland in 1994, uh, I didn't have any money. I, di- I, I didn't, I didn't have a, a I, I was staying with a family, uh, one of my wife's family members didn't, didn't even have any kind of transportation, you know, nothing, just my suitcases, just the clothes on my back. And uh, we were walking, me and my wife's brother were walking down a road and we came to a kind of a large building and it was sort of in a round shape and it was a, like an auditorium type building it belonged to the government. And I said to my brother-in-law, you see that building there? One day, we're going to build a church here in Nagaland that's going to look like that. We broke ground on the building you saw on the video in 2001, January 1st, 2001. Actually, in uh, November of 2003, the building wasn't complete, completely finished, but that's when we had our first service in that building. But, but I moved there in 1994. See? Good things do come to those who wait. You have to be patient. I think many times people are just right on the cusp uh, of a great breakthrough in their life, and they decide, well, I've been waiting too long, and yum, yum, yum. Don't settle for less than God's best. You single people. Sometimes you get a little frustrated and think, well, I'll just marry the next joker that comes along. I'm just, I'm tired of being single. No, no, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less than God's best in your life. Amen. Sometimes you, you just need a little patience. Let steadfastness have its perfect work. Amen. Listen, read, let me read a couple of more scriptures to you, and then, then I'll have to uh, turn it over to Pastor David. I'll read this to you. It's the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 17. You don't have to turn there. By the time you find it, I'll be having my lunch. But it's Habakkuk, chapter 3. And it's in Habakkuk of the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 says this. 3, 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, he's saying no prosperity, no increase, no success, everywhere in every category, failure. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Verse 18, yet I will rejoice. Oh, there it is. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Woo. 
what am I going to do? Moan and groan, get frustrated and angry and blame everybody for all the problems in my life. No, no. I will count it all joy. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. That means as an act of my will, I can praise God. I don't have to have a special feeling. I don't even have to have some kind of special anointing. I can just choose. I can just decide. But I have decided that I'm going to rejoice today. Hallelujah. How you respond to disappointment is the clearest indicator of the genuineness of your faith. See, it's easy to believe God when everything you see and feel agrees with what you believe. But it's another thing when all around you, you see the opposite and you feel terrible. Hallelujah. Yet I will rejoice. The word rejoice in Hebrew literally means jump for joy. Jump for joy. (laughs) Jump for joy. (laughs) See, some people say, pray the Lord. Pray the Lord. No, no, no. It's a little bit more than that. <laughs> a little bit more than that. You need to crank it up a little bit more than that. The word joy in this verse means to spin around. Spin around, jump for joy. Woo! Glory to God. Count it all joy. One translation says maximum joy. Woo! 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 Not minimum, maximum. That means when we're going through a hard time, we're not just operating on the normal joy level that we experience every day. No, no, we're going to shift up into high gear now because this is, this is an important thing. C.S. Lewis said joy, joy is the atmosphere where heaven does its most serious work. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1, In the Amplified Bible, verse 1 of chapter 3 in the Amplified Bible, it says this, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphant music. (laughs) You read the whole book of Habakkuk, they're going through a really hard time. The nation was on the verge of, of ruin. Lots of hard times. Hallelujah. But he didn't, he didn't see some people, you know, that call themselves prophets. It's always doom and gloom. Have you noticed that? But here, this prophecy is set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphant music. Jump for joy and spin around. Not because of the circumstance, in spite of the circumstance. We're not just called to be thermometers that reflect the spiritual temperature in our country. We are called to be thermostats. We change the spiritual temperature. We are called to be the salt of the earth, not the sugar of the earth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you will not allow the circumstances to change your faith, your faith will change the circumstances. And when we praise him that we are indicating, we are telling God, yet I still believe, yet I still believe. When we praise God in the hard times, we're showing the devil all of your plans are failing and the enemy will see it's not working. It's not working. We brought pressure. We brought anxiety. We brought circumstances. And look at him. He's still praising God. He's still rejoicing. And the demons will say, it's not working, boss. It's not working. And they'll quit. They'll give up. You see, patience is the nature and the character of God. The devil is impatient. 
So if you'll just be patient, you can outlast the devil. He'll, he'll quit before you do. Woo! Hallelujah! So if you're going through a hard test in your life right now, financially, physically, socially, mentally, emotionally, anyway, I want you to stand up right now, and I want you to count it all joy. I want you to give God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. I want you to shout. I want you to shout. I want you to lift your voice and praise him. Lift your hands and glory. Glorify him. He's worthy of our praise. Come on, come on, come on. Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. You don't have to be an excellent singer. You don't have to carry a tune. You don't have to record a CD. But you got to praise him. You got to say something. Hallelujah. I believe God. But I believe God. Come on, crank it up a little bit. Let's crank it up. Let's let's go up a couple of notches. Crank it up a little bit. Let's put some pressure on the enemy now. Let's let's go on offense. I'm tired of playing defense. Let's go on the offense. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My children, my children grew up in Nagaland, northeast India. It's a, it's a backward place. It's an undeveloped place. And my older son, he, uh, he told me, I want, I want to go to America, and I want to, I want to graduate from high school, the last two years of high school in America. And that was his dream. And so I said, well, I'm not going to hold you back. And so we, um, we wanted him to go to a good Christian high school. And, uh, and, and we actually, uh, you know, uh, got admission for him in, in one school in, in Chesapeake, a good school, Christian school. And, but he didn't have a place to stay because uh, we actually have a house in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, where we come here in the summer. But, you know, that's too, f- I mean, that's a long ways from Chesapeake. Uh, particularly where that school was. And uh, so, you know, uh, the, the, the lady that was the administrator, the admissions director, she said, well, I, I tr- my job is to place people in homes that come from different countries, and that would include the son of a missionary. So, you know, she, she was endeavoring to find some family that would take him in. And, uh, but it was, it was getting toward the end of the summer, and, and we have to go back to India soon. And she told me there's, there's no one to take him. There's no one, and I'm sorry, I've done my best, but there's just no, no one that's willing to take him. And my heart was just, uh, just, just broken, you know, because I know that's what this fellow wants to do. He wants, he wants to study here. And, and uh, I, I was attending a, a camp meeting in, in my own home church. And um, that, that evening I went to the service and my heart was heavy. But the, the, the man of God, he preached a similar message to this about just count it all joy. Just count it all joy. 
And so me and my wife, we just began to praise God. Just began to praise him. Sometimes you think you're doing a good job, but you know, you, you, you need to, you need to go further. You need to go more. You need to just, you, you need to have the high praises of God in your mouth. In other words, maybe just singing a couple of songs and clapping and swaying ain't enough. Maybe you, you got to go a little deeper. You got to go a little stronger. And praise him. I didn't feel like praising him. I felt like going back to the hotel room and just going to bed. But, but I, I, I made it a point. It takes some diligence in our praise, doesn't it? And I just praised him with abandon. I just praised him because he's faithful and he's good. He's a good God. He takes care of his family members. When we came back from that meeting that night, the administrator sent me a message, and she said, I was in the shower, and, and this woman said, God spoke to me. And, and she's not the kind of person that says that very often. She said, God spoke to me and told me, you are to take him in your house. And she called me, and she said, I'm going to take your son in my house. God told me you are going to take him in your house. And she did. And she did a good job. Hallelujah. And he graduated from that high school. Hallelujah. Come on, can we praise God one more time? Can we praise him one more time in this house today? The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. If you don't know what else to do this week or in the days to come, and you're facing challenges and difficulties from the enemy and some enemy-inspired people. If you don't know what else to do, just praise God. Praise him anyways. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that every promise is yes and amen in Christ. We thank you for this faith that you have placed in our hearts. And we thank you that we are developing in patience and steadfastness. Say this with me. I am a believer. I'm not a doubter. I will persevere. I will not quit. In the hard times, I know this is an opportunity to believe God and for God to show himself strong. Patience will have its perfect work in my life and I will lack nothing hallelujah glory to God amen we thank you for listening to this message for more information visit us at exceedlifechurch.org 